Alright then, welcome to Eagle's Nest 2 Studios, Fox Striding in a Foxhole, Season 5, Episode 16, Number 144 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here, another week, it's actually a late Saturday night, right before the Super Bowl, somehow squeezing this podcast in. Always a shout out to the folks at www.purpleplanet.com and Mixler for providing the wonderful tunes we use in the podcast. Also a shout out to the folks at Rode and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation for all kinds of interesting people like myself, letting us get our message out there. I don't know if you want to call it message or not. Hey, it's... It's almost midnight, right before the Super Bowl, so bear with me, folks. If you want to be on the podcast, sponsor it, F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Interesting night over here. Got the homies watching the Turkish version of Star Wars, courtesy of our friend, Mr. Wong. Was in there for a little bit and figured, well, this might be a good window for me to get the podcast in. So if you hear some external noise in the background, that's probably what it is. All right, folks. Big week that's passed, big week coming up, big day tomorrow. Hope you all get your party on and enjoy your adult beverages. Let's get to it. The COVID Chronicles. Well, well, well. Man, it must be that time. Finally, perhaps, given what's going on in the world. And if you hear some of the things coming out of the White House, as far as this segment might be on its last legs. We've said that before. Anyway, what's going on this week in COVID land as it relates to sports and beyond? Well, we can tell you that the Minnesota-Illinois game was called off due to players in the Gophers program entering the health and safety protocols. There's also injuries, but at least they had the decency to say that they also have some folks going through COVID, but their game with Illinois this, earlier this week was called off. Which gets me thinking, you know how quickly the rumor mill starts? So I was watching the game this morning. This is PSG in Monaco. I'll speak a little bit about that later. Obviously, the beautiful game live. So I wake up this morning, and the internet is saying, wow, there's a big flu bug or virus where people from the Paris club won't be able to, because they were on the road in Monaco, they wouldn't be able to play today. And of course, within five minutes, yeah, it's a big COVID outfit. So... I don't think it was a COVID outbreak because I do look into it. You know, I obviously watched the match. It was kind of disappointing if you're a Paris fan. But most of the people, other than the folks who are out with injury, were there. And we know in the past that this particular club has been hit hard by COVID several times, as I've brought up in past po uh, podcasts. We don't know what's going on. And so sure enough, this turns out to be nothing. And this isn't the first time that we've seen this, where all of a sudden folks start talking on the internet the next thing you know. And if I hadn't checked it out, 
I would I would have assumed that was the case because not because the internet says that it's true, but just knowing this particular club and its tendency to have outbreaks within that squad as we've seen you know 2020 2021 this just cracks me up the, the, the internet and you know kind of segues into something else though because the internet and has has sort of changed as we've talked about in previous weeks but how about the other innovations besides the internet and COVID bringing out all of the wackos always talking about Damn, it must have been the jab again. <laughs> but I think changes and in innovations in the way sports are consumed. I was reading an article earlier this afternoon. Uh, it was a high school. And they were talking about how life has changed. You know, that crowds have returned because everything is streamed. That's not going away. And yeah, streaming has grown in the last, I don't know, six to eight years, but definitely has taken on a whole nother wave of, I don't know, prominence, I guess would be probably not even the best word for that. But in terms of how we consume sports, yeah, that's definitely become, especially when you get beyond the, the big level, we're talking like the major four pros in the United States or even the beautiful game live but it's way more about streaming because that's the only way we could consume games if you remember nobody could go to the stadiums I never thought about it at the high school level and going ticketless well the masks have disappeared I think the innovations and changes you know they're here to stay and maybe that's for the good thing you know, of course, everyone misses the stub as opposed to using a QR code on your phone. There's just something that, obviously, the mementos and things like that. But it makes more sense, better for the planet, and just makes things more convenient taking advantage of technology, which is something that, you know, we want to see. Okay. Let's move away from that. Does Fauci have a point based on studies that claim the triple the triple demic impacted 40% of US households with somebody getting sick that's a big ding if you ask me I mean somebody in everybody's household you know should knock on wood because most of the people I know were not hit by the the triple demic in this way but I think that's interesting that the studies say that you know and the thing is, with almost 70% of the population stating they're not worried about getting the virus, we have reached an inter we have reached an interesting intersection in this pandemic era. So just spoke about the innovations, but it is definitely true that you know the attitude has changed as we've been bringing it up many times in past podcasts in terms of you know Las Vegas. We've always been bringing up the numbers, the full arenas, as I'm sort of looking at some highlights of the Kings and the Mavericks. Yeah, I think we have a certain resignation about it being here. It's always got its supply of the clear and the cream and the HDH. But 
life has definitely got back to normalcy, and as I just pointed out, it's sort of changed in some ways, good and bad. So some good news. Apparently, another study tells us that there were, that after that big outbreak in China that we were talking about for about maybe six weeks, apparently no new variants have appeared on shore here. We consider that to be a good thing, yeah? Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> um, okay, here's some, some comedy. Speaking of China. So apparently CNN sends a crew over to China to cover the Lunar New Year. And surprise, surprise, officials over there were watching them the whole time. And as CNN doing a lot of victimhood these days, not that I have a dog in this fight, but claiming people or officials over over there in China were really preventing them from trying to get the message out as far as how things have been moving on since 2020. I get, I mean, come on, folks. <laughs> Especially being high profile like a CNN or Fox, of course somebody was watching you. Okay. One more. Well, we have a couple more studies that there's another study that also says that the youngsters, you know, millennials, maybe folks slightly older, well, they're not really getting boosted. And at first you'd think, well, maybe that's the reason the frown. But as the study points out, that people in that population between 20 and 34, they're not filling up hospital beds. So even if they're getting it, it's not that serious. So maybe that's why they're not really feeling the need to get boosted. And hopefully that trend stays. Um, and like I said earlier about things coming out of the White House. The president himself says that we have broken the COVID grip. But here's the flip side, though. He still feels Congress... Should, should He recommends Congress should keep the funding in place to fight to keep Americans safe from the virus. What do we think about that? FTINNFX at Gmail, if you have an opinion. Me, I sit there and scratch my head and sort of say, okay, if we've beaten the grip, then why do you need to continue funding? We spoke about the hit that Pfizer is talking about. Is that so... They don't take a 33% hit. And I've spoken with a few people this week, uh, folks who are older who feel the same way about not getting boosted and that this is, you know, when it comes to keeping the, keeping the funds going, which is kind of crazy. And you think, okay, I, I, I do not have a problem with being remaining vigilant as I always bring up on this podcast, but when you see the numbers, and I talked about this recently, but there's an, there's another study, a report that came out this week that says there's been over $560 billion in fraud as far as COVID fraud goes. So on the one hand, continuing to fund it, it's great, but probably want to curtail the amount of fraud that continues to happen when you're talking $560 billion, that's a big number of folks that are just lining their pockets. 
Okay, folks. We'll be back with a 43K view on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in the Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here on a now early Sunday morning. Super Sunday. Alrighty, well, never too late to stumble to the Eugene Airport, get the homies away from the movies, grab some adult beverages. It'll be a long day of that. But we want to get through TSA and board the Gulfstream 650. For the high view over campus. As we were watching Sports Center late night, seeing that Missouri pulled off a big upset over number six, Tennessee. But what's going on high above campus this week? I started out last week with a big showcase. We talked about Connecticut and its heroic run, especially being undermanned with all the injuries, they point South Carolina. And we know that Miss Staley and her program has been chilling in the penthouse as far as college basketball is concerned on the ladies' side. And we know how decorated Connecticut and Mr. Gino A has been over time. And it was for folks that are big fans of the women's game, this was, this was a heavyweight bout. Connecticut gave South Carolina all they could handle. Of course, South Carolina prevailed, and they're still number one in the country. But I thought it was kind of interesting that Gino, being salty as ever, you know, given that the game was a little physical, kind of came out and calling uh, Miss Dawn's program out for not playing the game the right way. She clapped back, saying, you know what, F you. I'm tired of hearing your mouth. Deal with it. <laughs> your time on the mountain came. Now it's our turn to stop taking shots at our program. Got to give Don Staley all kinds of props for telling Gino where he can take his saltiness. You go, lady. And how about UConn? Losing two in a row for the first time in 30 years. So over there on the men's side, Purdue is chilling with South Carolina as far as the penthouse goes. The rankings penthouse, as we like to say. Cool stuff there. There may probably some shocking things that happened today that we'll cover next week. But all in all, kind of an interesting week on the hardwood. Definitely saw that UCLA... Oregon game that was played here in Eugene tonight. Bill Walton sporting the lovely green still your face Oregon Ducks themed t-shirt before the game. Standing out by the duck in front of Matthew Knight. That was a, kind of a big thing. But UCLA gets a big win after the Ducks took care of USC. So they're definitely on the bubble. Okay, let's talk money. So, the SEC, 
Yes, that SEC. Once again, talking let's talking about post COVID, how the kind of money they that people have been making. Well, they are gonna dish out roughly fifty million dollars to each of the fourteen member schools because the conference has generated seven hundred and twenty seven hundred and twenty one point eight million dollars revenue to be shared amongst its fourteen member schools. Of fifty million it's a nice infusion. Don't tell me this isn't getting bigger and bigger. I mean, and in an era of NIL, that'll sure help attract more talent because you know it's not going to the other school. It's probably not going to the other big sports. It's going to basically be about football, somewhat basketball. Yeah, the other sports better be hot if you want the NIL money. This is probably not coming your way. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> and then you have Oklahoma and Texas. Speaking of the SEC, they are going to pay $100 million to exit the SEC early so they can play in 2023-2024. Which is interesting considering last week when I was talking about how I was kind of wrong who knows? I might end up being right after all, as far as this goes. Money can solve a lot of problems, which I said initially. But I got the sense when it was announced last week that, okay, maybe, you know, 24 or 25 might be more realistic. But now I may step back from that ledge after seeing this and that, you know, the big boys get in the room and start discussing things. We're back on the fast track. Because I have thought all along there's way too much money to be made for it to be delayed another year. So let's just see what happens here. It's only, what, February 12th? <laughs> Lincoln's birthday. <laughs> we may see some movement as far as getting this on track before next season. Why not? So much money to be made. We can definitely see it. The weird side about that, though, the kind of a fly in the ointment, shall we say, You've, reports are coming out of Tempe that Arizona State wants out of the Pac-12. I guess the Pac-12 is talking about possibly adding SMU. But they want out and... Possibly Arizona would follow them as a package deal. Kind of feeling that if UCLA and USC can get a better deal for themselves, what can they possibly get, especially with Phoenix's TV market, which is pretty substantial as a very attractive bargaining chip. Pac-12 still doesn't have a media rights deal on the table. So we'll have to keep an eye on that if that becomes a big issue as we move closer to spring. I mean, I have a feeling whatever's going to happen will get resolved by summer, but the drama is beating. You know, the whole idea of of a Nike conference, whatever, Pacific Conference sponsored by Nike, that's not so far-fetched as we move closer and closer to what is going to be the next normal. I mean, we have a new normal right now, but I think there's going to be another version of it when the dust completely settles. Keep an eye on that. How about uh, some 
Going over to Coral Gables. I haven't talked about the Canes, all about the poo that much lately. Mario Cristobal kind of flexing and basically pissing off Charlie Strong, who was co-defensive coordinator, and the one guy, Gidry, who left the piss program to come over and be Mario's, uh, Mario's staff. And I guess Mario decided to give him the head not as far as calling the defense for the Canes. Charlie Strong, we know who Charlie Strong. He got pissed and said, you know what? Screw you, Mario. I'm out of here. And considering the poo was 5-7 and seven without Mario's people, maybe Charlie, leaving, Charlie Strong leaving is not such a bad thing. I don't know. Another thing I thought is fucking, that was kind of interesting... A man, Debo. I haven't talked about Debo much lately either. Apparently, he wants to move national signing day to August to protect the integrity of high school athletes in the whole process. And I thought, hasn't that ship sailed? Integrity, Debo? What could you possibly mean by that at this point? And moving it to August? So... It's a big hype day right before <laughs> right before the season starts as far as grabbing some headlines because otherwise I don't really see a difference being made here. That's just me. Okay. Another thing that uh, kind of caught my eye was the Ohio State players getting off. And that means getting off in terms of not having to go to the Gray Bar Hilton. Don't really want to get into the lower details, but you could probably imagine what I'm talking about. Kind of another San Diego State situation where uh, these young men <laughs> and their female guests and things going kind of awry and the law getting it, getting involved. That used too much of your imagination there. Really screwed up story if you look it up. My point being is, it's only going to be a harbinger of things to come with all the money that people all of a sudden have access to that are legally above board, and you know they're getting it. it these kind of stories. Now, <laughs> the he said, she said thing. But I always think it's, it's always kind of interesting when, hey, you know, if we got false accusations here, or whatever the case may be, I'm not the legal expert. But what I do know is, boys and girls ought to be careful now that we are in a, a rapidly evolving normal, I guess would be a better way to, to phrase it. In terms of the situations, don't put yourself in that kind of situation no matter how fun it might be, we had a situation here in Oregon years ago, kind of ended up the same way. I talked about it in the earlier podcast. And, yeah, this whole situation what happened in San Diego State, which basically cost this guy a shot at the NFL, although he may get one later, but probably not. It's, believe me, there's probably easier ways to get your freak on without going to jail or ruining your career and possible earnings, especially so much money out there. All right, folks, that's what's going on high above campus. 
getting closer to the fun part of the year as we move towards March Madness, right? The conference championships and whatnot. Things are starting to heat up. Like how people always say, well, it's like, you know, college basketball is really kind of a six-week window and everything else before the last six weeks really don't matter. Hey, you're kind of getting that sense. All right, we'll be back with something interesting on the other side. Spaghetti Western. <laughs> Rolling with the Desperados. Okay, time for one of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know. Or things that happened in the sports world this past week you might want to know about or care about. Either or. What's going on? So, we had the clash last weekend. No, I'm not talking about Joe Strummer, Mick Jones, Mr. Paul, and Topper, but NASCAR's clash at the Coliseum, edition two. Once again, quite the spectacle seeing the tin tops racing around the, the hollow grounds of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Eh, the crowd could have been a lot better. Shout out to my man Ryan P., my internet friend, LAFC, watching the fan who brought, took his son to the event. Looked like a lot of fun, but Martin Truex takes the checkered. As we zoom towards Daytona, gonna have to arrange something to get my man, Mr. Corner Man, back for another talk about motorsports. That's coming up here soon. Also gonna have Alec Ford here soon again. Get a quick plug in for those episodes coming soon, hopefully sooner than later. And also, speaking of NASCAR, I think it's going to be interesting that the man Kyle Larson, who obviously ever since his misstep with the tongue, has had quite the run. And I guess this year he's going to try to punctuate that by pulling off the 600-500 double. If you know that, Memorial Day, racing in the Indy 500, and then doing the Coca-Cola 600 later that day. Always an interesting test of endurance goes. Keep an eye on how Kyle does there. Okay. Another interesting thing to come down. Talked about last week, the whole marketing thing. It was, was a dream about, right, Sabrina and Bree teaming up in New York. Well, Nike is kind of give Sabrina, Sabrina I, speaking of local here in Eugene, a duck legend, her shoe, her own shoe, the Sabrina One. And that, of course, led the internet with all kinds of conversations. And this is so marketing and she hasn't done anything to deserve that yet. All that may be true, but one, Nike, in its connection with Oregon, 
it only makes sense for them to, to, to further their brand by pushing Sabrina. But I told you when she was drafted that I felt she was going to be one of the faces that in WNBA was to be successful. They were going to have to push her, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, given sort of the woke and activist-laden things that, which I don't have a problem with, but it does not necessarily drag mainstream to follow the product. Pushing someone like Sabrina does in terms of folks who mom and dads would like to see their kid become the next Sabrina. Only makes sense, right? To sort of focus more on, on the sport and the product than what goes on off the court in terms of social justice and some of the other things that these players have been involved with, which we are not knocking because, you know, the Maya Morris out there, they've done a great thing in terms of making our society better and righting some of the wrongs. But, you know, at some point when you are being subsidized, you might want to focus on the product. And obviously Nike's putting its money in a very smart place by giving Sabrina her own shoe. Just saying. Okay. Let's go to golf. A lot going on right now as we get into kind of the fun part of the year when it comes to the PGA. And obviously the live as well. So the live, let's start with them. So they announced that they generated zero revenue in its initial run. <laughs> Cue up Jane's addiction. Nothing shocking. <laughs> of course they didn't generate any revenue. We've got to pay out all that money to all these folks to create the, 40, the Dream 48 squad. Or squads, however you want to describe what's going on with that, but that they made no revenue. <laughs> oh, it just makes me cackle almost. And of course, on the PGA side of things, they've asked a federal judge to delay the antitrust suit against the Liv, which is a big whoa. But they feel there hasn't been enough discovery time. I think they're really trying to buy some time, so maybe these two entities can come to an accord where they know they're going to have to exist. Send plenty of money and creating that AFL, NFL sort of thing. Speaking of the Super Bowl being tomorrow, where we have a Super Bowl of golf with the two entities. It's inevitable. Maybe buying a little time will allow folks to get into a room Squawk, squawk, squawk. Then sign, <laughs> sign an agreement where everyone gets paid. Makes sense, yeah. I'm not talking rocket science here. Okay. So, like I said, this is the fun time of the year for golf. Last weekend, Pebble, quite the spectacle, right? The Pro-Am and then... The, I mean, Pebble, it's one of those cathedrals of golf when you talk about Pebble, Spyglass, and the other course. Um, you know, obviously Justin Rose, who had the one in a while, got really hot, got his first win in four years. He says he actually turned down a big offer from Lib to get, 
Because he wants the focus on staying in the PGA and not having any hassles playing in majors. He says that has been his whole reason, his whole life, for wanting to be part of this tour. So that was kind of interesting. And, you know, they obviously would have offered him a lot of money to be a part of that tour. And, you know, props to him for just kind of saying, no, that's okay. There's plenty of time down the road for me if I want to, like, make the shapeless cash grab. Um, you know, one of the other, uh, also one of the other cool things, you know, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, I'm always giving that guy grief. It's always cool to see him in this segment as opposed to the NFL report. But how about him and Ben Silverman winning the pro-am portion of the event at Pebble? Pretty cool stuff. Okay, so this week we move to the greatest show on tour. Yeah, the WM Open at Scottsdale, right, with the stadium course. I've been telling you about how Golf Plus added that to its pretty impressive list of courses, and they had added a Play the Pros feature, which I actually took advantage of. Basically, they capture the video of people, you know, going through the sixteenth, the famous sixteenth hole. You put up a video, you get to see a little video board of the shot, and then you get to compete against the shot. You got to give these guys all kinds of props, even though this is only in a R and D phase as far as what they want to do with the game. I found it to be hella compelling. Of course, I suck and didn't fare so well. But I have to say that it was so addicting, I could barely put down the headset. Really cool stuff there. <laughs> yes, indeed. Anyways, if you haven't got on the tip, and I guess it's going to be important to you know, uh, PlayStation's VR 2 later on this year at some point, but get yourself an Oculus. Buy yourself some Golf Plus. They're doing some really interesting things with that platform. Dude, so cool. I can't say enough about it. And the greatest show on tour. What a spectacle that is for the fans. I'm just talking to our our friend of the show over there in, in Eagle's Nest 1. We were wondering, what does it cost for somebody to go to that? And it's not, it's pretty reasonable. You know, our man, a friend of the show, Alec Ford, he made an appearance you know, for the Super Bowl festivities and made his way over there. But you've been watching this on TV. Everybody is having so much fun there. It truly is one of the one of the great events. It's a great week for for golf when you have Pebble, and then I mean TPC Scottsdale and the spectacle that is on back to back weekends. So I finally got to watch this power slap thing. You know, speaking of Dana White, there was a big UFC that went on tonight. We'll talk about that next week. I haven't had a chance to unpack that at this late hour. So, I when it comes to Power Slap, Dana White's latest creation, well, I get why some people were outraged. I get why some people can't get enough of it. It's it's something else. Kind of barbaric, <laughs> but kind of cool at the same time. Uh, we sat back with my roommate, uh, The Sunshine, and we took in a couple of episodes of it last week. And uh, yeah, I probably will have to watch a little bit more of it. I'm not sure 
what quite to make of it, other than, ooh, bad. I'm sure doctors at home are just <laughs> having their insides turned inside out watching it. And some other folks who probably want to get their aggressions out are loving every minute of it. Ah, crazy stuff. I mentioned Aaron Rodgers. How about other Green Bay legend in this era, Mr. Favre, going to sue Mr. McAfee and our man Shannon Sharp for defamation for comments that were made when he was in the fraud. Wow. Well, you know... <laughs> I can't, I don't even know how to, I don't even get past that one. Not shocking there that he's going to, this may end up in court, or he may be trying to weasel them out of a quick settlement. It's something we'll definitely be keeping an eye on. All right, we'll be back with the NBA because there's a lot of blockbuster stuff going on there on the other side. Back to Fox Trading in a Foxhole. <laughs> Episode 144, your faithful host Ken Harlan here. Time for the NBA beat. A lot going on this week. We'll be talking about it several times in this podcast. But let's start with the big story of the week. There's several. It starts off with Kyrie, actually. We were all wondering if he would get moved before the trade deadline. Well, all sorts of talk, the Clippers, Lakers, <laughs> Mavericks, everybody's sort of like wanting all of a sudden to throw their hat in the ring after this guy was supposedly on the fast track to being ran out of the league. So what actually happens is he gets moved to the Mavericks. And of course, that's not wanting to deal with the Lakers or the Clippers, basically tell, telling Kyrie, well, we're not going to let you, because you were such an ass to us, we're not going to let you choose your own destiny. Which I give ownership full props for taking that stance. Makes a hell of a lot of sense. No reason to reward him. But putting him with Luca is not necessarily punishing him. And sending him to Dallas with that organization run by Mr. Cuban, yeah. Um, will Kyrie and Luca get it on? Well, from the looks of last night, probably so. They lost, but nonetheless, they gelled, and Kyrie has looked good in a couple of games that he's played with the Mavericks. So we'll have a lot more to talk about that next week. I'm not sure about what happens to Brooklyn next. We'll get to, to that because... Kyrie's gone, and then the real big story is KD goes to Phoenix in a blockbuster trade. And mind you, this is a Phoenix team that won 7 out of 10 games prior to his arrival after stumbling. You have CP3 and Book, but what happens? We'll talk a little bit more about it in a closer look. But the team that they put together, and with Nash as the coach, that doesn't seem that long ago. That's like a, it's now in the rear mirror, completely blown up. I'm not sure what Brooklyn does as the next act, 
They definitely have acquired some assets to build upon. So we'll see. But I think if you're a Brooklyn fan, you've got to be looking around the look looking around the arena and just a huge WTF is going on. Okay. It's crazy. Um I thought it was kind of interesting that everyone thought the Lakers not getting Kyrie was a master fail. Turns out it wasn't. Everybody jumping on Palinka, but what could Palinka do if there was no way that ownership was going to do Kyrie to the destination of his choice? Once again, as we like to always say, we're not talking rocket science here. Okay, lots of big stories this week. Then you have the LeBron James story. Yes, he finally passed Kareem. But there was something weird about it. And I have to admit, I actually fell asleep in the game just because I guess it gotten really nauseated about the whole chase. I mean, I'm really happy for LeBron. I'm not a LeBron hater. And obviously, when he became a Laker, I obviously had to embrace him. And But it's just been kind of weird in this pursuit. Because if you notice how he had to leave the game, didn't play the last couple of games either because of his foot. And I think it's more load management, getting some rest, and sort of taking a deep breath. But it's like, okay, you got the record. But 25 and 31 are now 26 and 31. This would be, what, the third time that since you've come to L.A. that the Lakers didn't make the playoffs? How is that helping your legacy? That was kind of cool that... Uh, Sitting next to the girl, was it last night? She said it was the biggest moment of her life. So there are some good things going on there. And this is not necessarily the crumb on LeBron. There's a lot to say about AD, but we'll get to that in the next episode. Um, how about Ennis Freedom Cantor, Ennis Cantor Freedom, whatever the hell it's pronounced, teeing off on LeBron? We've brought up many times the hypocrisy with being a social justice crusader while doing business with China. <sighs> Freedom, you're not wrong, but let the man have this moment. There's no reason to go on Fox and all the other places that will give you a voice or the outkick crowd. You know, there was a time and a place for it, and I personally feel that wasn't the time for it. Let the man have his moment. Because even if he's a hypocrite, he's been a big ambassador. And at 38, he is still one of the biggest stars in the game. Because politics, <laughs> attitudes, and missteps, and successes all wrapped in the one. Now, he is one of the greats. When you look at the overall stat sheet, it's quite impressive. Passing Kareem, no easy feat. Going to pass LeBron afterwards, probably somebody you still in middle school. It's good, and, there, he's, and well, maybe not. We'll see what Mr. Wameyama's got going on. <sighs> okay, speaking of the Lakers, the other another big story in a week of big stories. Russ gets moved out of L.A. Does this trade get the Lakers back on track? And part of that, D'Lo returning to the crypt after some after unceremoniously being run out of town. If you remember, at one point, he was the number two pick of the Lakers, and a lot of the Lakers, at the time, the baby Lakers, Future was tied into him. We had the whole thing with Nick Young and snitching, you know, Swaggy P and all that kind of stuff. 
But D. Lois becomes sort of a journeyman, bouncing all over the place. Maybe he comes back and helps the Lakers. They also got Malik Beasley. They got Barry Bell as well. I looked at it last night, and the early returns say, yeah, you know, this could be a good trade for the Lakers, but they got a lot of work to do. Five games under, luckily everybody else is playing like poop in the West, and there are probably injuries to come all over the place. Speaking of, the Bucks and the Lakers met, was that Thursday night? They were shorthanded because the people in the trade had not, were not cleared or whatever the case may be, to take the lineup. The Lakers hung for a while, and then you had AD. Like I said, we'll talk about that more next week. But the thing is, the Bucks are now have won nine in a row. And the point here is, we better start taking notice. You know, everybody likes the poo-poo, like, the Bucks. You know, you ever listen to Skip Bayless and some of the other folks not take them seriously, even though they beat the, the aforementioned Suns in the finals when the Suns melted down. Yeah, I really think you have to keep an eye on them. You know, I'm more curious about the Bucks and what kind of run they could make than the Suns. I'm not completely sold on the Suns having KD, Book, and Chris Paul. There is the curse of the curse of Chris Paul, and give me a valid reason to say Phoenix is going to unlock its. <laughs> Championship misery now that they got KD. I'm not so sure. This isn't like when KD went to Golden State, where <laughs> you basically are going to a team that went 73 at 9 and you had them on the ropes. <laughs> it's a little bit more difficult. And I'm not sure some of the uh, subtraction, because there's some of the pieces that Phoenix did get rid of that were part of this run that they've been on, even though there is no champagne to taste from it. Okay, don't you find it kind of crazy the Grizz have lost 8 out of 10 and are still a factor in the West? <sighs> yeah, we'll get to them a little bit later as far as some of the shenanigans off the court. Then you have the John Wall getting sent back to the Rockets, a team that he trashed profusely. What the hell's going on there, <laughs> Right? And does he even play a game for them, or is this a buyout situation? What has gone wrong there with John Wall? I don't quite understand it. I thought this was one of the this was a piece that the Clippers added that was to solidify them. But you know, wheeling and dealing, as we'll talk about in the closer look, you know, teams trying to find that right piece to win now. But really crazy. Now, something that's very concerning if you're a Golden State fan. The chef, he's hurt again. You know, yes, the, the the Warriors were able to sink the Luka list Mavs, but Curry's Hill probably has him out anywhere from four to six weeks. That could be a problem if they find themselves in a place with the Lakers, where you're maybe in the plan, maybe not. There's a lot of teams that are bunched up, and like Oklahoma City and Portland, they ain't going away. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. Speaking of the Debs, the New Look Lakers did beat the, the Warriors last night in San Francisco. Like I was saying, the early returns say this could be an interesting team if they gel. Not sure there's enough time there. Not sure what LeBron's health is or 80's attitude. 
But once again, with things bunched up, if they can go on a run and maybe win 12 of 16, yeah, the New York Lakers. The problem is, is if you follow the Lakers or hate them, you know people come to L.A., taking that lifestyle, and all of a sudden the suck factor stacks it. Not say I'm not trying to jinx it, but I don't know. Following the team since 1971, I've seen many people come to the come to the bright lights of Tinseltown and fade very fast. Only time will tell. Okay, we will be back with Nightfall of Diamonds on the other side. Alrighty then, welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 5, Episode 16, 144 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday. Alright, let's go to the Diamond and talk a little Nightfall of Diamonds and maybe visit the Ice Rink of Life. Yeah, I'll get my Grateful Dead reference in there some way. <laughs> Dark Star Crashes. So. We've talked about this in the past, and I've kind of always wondered what the hell took so long. Apparently, the Dodgers are finally going to retire number 34. That's right, Fernando Mania revisited. Now, when you think that it was 40 years ago that the pudgy <laughs> pitcher, eh, it wasn't that pudgy, eh, kind of, but he took America by storm. As far as Fernando Mania, bringing all sorts of audiences to Chefez Ravine, a wonderful time. And brought us some great Dodger teams in the 80s, uh, one of the mercurial faces. And it just surprises me that it took him so long, especially given, you know, how much he met, you know, to the Latino community down in Southern California. You would think that, you know, they're reach to be inclusive, this would have happened a lot sooner. But congratulations, Fernando. I know it's going to be a magical night at the stadium when that happens. Okay, so what else is going on around the diamond? Well, we can tell you that the Astros, the defending champions, they are keeping the party going. How are they doing that? Well, they're doing that by re-upping Kristen Javier. What do we think about Kristen Javier getting a nice extension? Well, he did win both of his starts in the postseason, leading them to their second championship in five years. So, you know, unlike some of the big spenders out there, the Strohs just seem to want to keep their pieces intact and believe they can make another run. Although we're still trying to get past you know, the, the, this book coming out where they bragged about cheating. But whatever. They've got two rings and a pretty short window. Bully for them. Speaking of surprises, you find it kind of interesting that you Darvish got a six-year extension at age 36? Now, I know we probably have some good innings left. I mean, this was a sizable extension, but it kind of shows you the commitment the Padres have to trying to bring their first championship down to San Diego. Not quite on Mr. Cohen's level, but hey. No, it's kind of interesting that Mr. Cohen came out this week talking about the justification for his huge spending spree. 
Well, I thought that was all fine and dandy. It's like, come on, man. You spent three quarters of a billion. There is no justification for that other than you feeding your own ego with your toy and all of your billions that you can spend <laughs> to try to knock the Yankees off the pedestal. Makes sense? I suppose. Okay. How about Mr. Manford coming in this week and making some comments on some, I think, some prominent topics as we head towards the 2023 season? Among those, they may step in and take over some of the regional networks, which could be a good news for people that live in these, these markets. Deal is, is that Sinclair, who's bought a bunch of stations, you know, and they're continuing restructuring of these broadcast hubs, they're not really keeping up with their payments, or basically, they are affecting MLB's bottom line, as far as streaming is concerned. And Manfred says if something's going to impact their bottom line, they will step in and take these over themselves or arrange for broadcasting partnerships that are more favorable to maintaining MLB's bottom line. Not rocket science there. <laughs> uh, the streaming wars. And he also said that the A's need to determine their ballpark situation by the beginning of the year, whether it's Vegas, Oakland, or some, you know, white knight comes in, or black knight, depending on what market you live in, at the 11th hour and comes up with a proposal that A's ownership can't refuse. It is kind of odd that this situation is continuing to linger. You would have thought by now, it would be resolved. And I understand, you know, the, the sentiment to give Oakland every opportunity possible to, to keep the A's after losing the Warriors and Raiders. And given the history that the A's have had ever since relocating from Kansas City in 1968. But as I've pointed out on this podcast and many others have, they've never drawn talked about last week some of the great teams of all time as I spoke of the 72, 73, 74 A's. 71 and 75 they were pretty good too. In fact, they could barely draw a million. And as I said last week, at least in my humble opinion, this is probably the best team since the Yankees run from, as I talked about last week, from basically 49 to 53. And you know, the subsequent championships they won out after that. What was it, like 9 out of 12? Okay, so I'm not sure how this is going to end. I had some ideas before. I still say Vegas, but then again, Vegas is at a point where this may be too much of a hassle. We may just keep leaning on you to give us an expansion team and not, how shall we say, take on... Another uh, 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 city's problems or a franchise's problems that weren't able to be worked out in Oakland. We'll be keeping an eye on this. But he did say that he's pretty encouraged by the situation in Tampa Bay as far as the Rays being able to get a new crib built on a site not far from Tropicana. So there doesn't seem to be any headache there. So maybe that possibility of relocation is off the off 
the discussion table right now. We'll see. Another thing I found interesting, the Pitchcom technology is going to be used in spring training. And what is that? It's basically kind of like what the Astros were doing, but on a more legalized, where pitchers have a wristband and an earpiece, and the catcher can communicate signals to him. The technology's there. Why not take advantage of it? I think I'm kind of curious to see how uh, Pitchcom works out. For sure. Okay, what else do we have here? Well, we talked about Ernie Moreno a few weeks ago and his desire not to sell the Angels. And he came out this week and basically said that he wants to retain Otani. Well, gee, who wouldn't want to retain the bottom Babe Ruth? Only makes sense, yeah? I don't know if Mr. Otani feels the same way, but then again, Dollars do talk, and if you can put some pieces around him, Mr. Otani, and Mr. Trout, then possibly he may stay down there in Orange County. Yeah, my money says that's not going to happen, but you can't blame Artie for wanting to try. Okay, let's hop on the Samboni and take a quick look at what's going on in the ice. Well, remember how I spoke last week about Batman at 30 and, you know, being along in the tooth and maybe needing a new voice? Well, he kind of clapped back at me by saying something that other leagues maybe should take a pause and follow the NHL's lead. What is that? Well, he's balking at expanding the playoffs. Really now? In an era where it seems that in the quest for dollar signs, more leagues are continually expanding playoffs and sort of watering it down to the point where gee <laughs> be just be 500 or slightly better than that in some cases even be below 500 and qualify for the postseason like the NHL loves where it's at as far as the competitive balance and it's playoffs and everything does drag on too long so I can applaud them for that okay what else do we have can the Bruins maintain their pace to break the record for most wins and points in a season? It's sort of looking that way. They were looking pretty formidable. I guess the, the only question now is, will they be able to do it come season time? Okay, we'll let you go with this one. Power rankings. The aforementioned Bruins still in the catbird seat, followed by the Canes, the Devils, the Leafs, and... Tampa Bay Lightning making that late season charges in the fifth spot. Of note, the Kraken at eight still in the top ten, which I think is very impressive in year two. And the Vegas Golden Knights are in ten. Kind of stumbling. I'm kind of surprised to see Vegas that far down in the power rankings this late in the season. Not late, late, but it's starting to get there. Okay, we'll be back with a beautiful game life on the other side. Fox Strike and a Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Want to be on the podcast or sponsor it? 
F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Okay, let's go pitch side. So we got a lot going on over there, which we'll save some of the good stuff for next week because there's so many things going on. Well, what can I tell you? Start off with a somber one. Uh, R.A.P. to Ashwin Andrews, uh, the Republic of South Africa's 19-year-old captain passed away last week and before you wackos start going at it he was stabbed it had nothing to do with the jab folks our condolences go out to his family friends so it's very tragic um okay how about jesse marsh being told to hit the bricks that was such a good story we talked about the with the last podcast i think it was a podcast before about getting the Americans over there and it just becoming a whole Yankee contingent. Well, the, the results haven't been there and he's been shown the door, which I thought was quite surprising. But then again, when you're fighting for regulation in, in a sport where there is no patience, where you may have looked good in September, you can be gone by February or March. And that is the case with Jesse Marsh. Now, one of the more intriguing stories of the past week has to be Mr. Abu Miang. There was this whole thing about him coming to MLS and pretty much LAFC. Sort of LAFC's answer to Kristen Bell retiring at the end of last year's championship run. In fact, even some of the most hardcore commentators and pundits for LAFC had pretty much had a done deal and were making the announcements. Well, back the brakes, and you know, I, if you follow soccer social media, LAFC's whole thing with with the, with the lid flip and the package that either says domestic or international, they did do that. I think it was on Thursday with somebody else. That, hell, I don't know who it was, and you know, I followed them, but it was not Mr. Abu Miang, and a lot of people had a lot of egg on their face. So, what's the moral here? Especially in the beautiful game life, wait till there's an actual announcement. When you see the official announcement on social media and they're holding up the jersey and they've done their physical, then you can go out and parade in the streets. That is still up in the air, so we'll have to see. Okay, so we had the Cub World Cup. We'll talk about the final next week, that kind of big stuff, but the main thing was the Sounders were in it. And this was MLS's first foray, and you know, it was kind of disappointing to see the Sounders bow out. But I thought it was even more interesting But the amount of MLS fans that did not want to see the Sounders be successful. I mean, there was pretty much a 75-25, like hell, hell no, dog. Which to me is so asinine. I get it in the beautiful game life, the fierce rivalries in between clubs and... In your wet dream, I guess. Well, I want my club to be first to win the Club World Cup. Why should they be? No, you have to put that pettiness aside and look at the big picture. Seattle having success in this tournament is great for MLS's visibility. And it's like you don't have to like take part in the parade, but say rooting against them to me, that's a thumbs down in the biggest way. I don't know. Call me crazy, but. I just, I just wasn't feeling that and was surprised at the amount of saltiness that Seattle tried to advance to the Club World Cup. Okay. About CR7. 
Yeah, we haven't talked about him in a, in a minute or two. Yeah, he dropped four goals this week in a match to notch his 500th career goal in league play. As they say, living his best life, making fat dollars, and continuing to advance his greatness as you know, one of the goats in this era, along with our man Leo Messi. Okay, back to the whole MLS. Now, I spoke in the, la in the last segment about the NHL balking on expanding the playoffs. I'm really curious about MLS's proposal to... How do I, now, let's see if I can get this correct. Scrapping single elimination for a best of three. We got rid of the two-way ties like everybody else in the world does, which was not necessarily a bad thing. And they acknowledge that these single elimination games create more drama, but they're talking about, well, fairness. No, it's not fairness. If you can play a best of three and they turn out to be three games, that's more revenue and more eyeballs. So I'm on the fence whether or not this is a good idea. I mean, there are strong arguments about as far as the pros and cons with a single elimination format even though it kind of toes in line with like the NFL experience. But then again, more soccer, who's going to complain about that? Even if it's up against the heat of the NFL season. Yeah, you know, I'll let MLS try that. Okay, what else do we have? How about Manchester City in hot water with the Premier League as charges of financial impropriety are handed down to the club? Well, as a fan of PSG and knowing the ongoing persecution of what people call the oil clubs and their ability to spend, this is sort of inevitable. I just saw Pep on TV vehemently denying this and going to fight it to the teeth. I need more info. This is definitely a story to keep an eye on as far as what kind of sanctions may be levied down. We saw what happened to Juventus, and I'm sure that <laughs> the other club owners, jealous of their wealth, <laughs> are looking to stick the knife in deep. So this could get really interesting. Okay, speaking of the EPL, how about Jurgen Klopp showing his frustration with the Reds following a 3-0 loss by relegation facing Wolverhampton on Saturday. Um, yeah, not a good season, but these things happen. They're not going to get relegated. You know, they'll find their, I think they'll find their form before it's all over so they can somehow get to Europe, although it's going to be pretty hard given the season they've had. But given the run that they've been on, you're going to have a bump in the road every now and then, you know, especially as competitive as that league is. And, yeah, my, I don't think it's time to get rid of him because if, we, if it was, you know, the U.S. national men's team should <laughs> pull a Jack Waltz, give him an offer he can't refuse, but I just don't see that happening. Okay, yeah, United also had a big win today, which we'll talk about next week. They held on. They're playing down a man in the last 20 minutes when they beat Crystal Palace. Mr. Rashford on fire. Even had another goal today, so got to like that. I bet the Spurs, speaking of City, getting a big win at home. And also that Premier League players are going to take a knee for the next couple of weeks to protest ongoing racism in the stadiums over in Europe. 
call it woke virtual signaling. But the thing is, the people misbehaving in the stands and outside of the grounds, that nonsense has to stop. So, you know, good for them for standing up and showing some solidarity against an ugly thing we need to root out of the beautiful game, for sure. Okay. Over in La Liga, Real Madrid stumble at Mallorca. Barca smacks down Sevilla. So Barca leads by eight, which is kind of surprising. Even if, even if Mr. Ancelotti says there's nothing to worry about. Maybe so after watching them yesterday, but there were still some questions. The Sports Club World Cup Final. We'll talk about that next week. Over in Serie A, Napoli keeps winning. Inter won the San Siro Derby 1-0. So Rossonari continued to wobble after looking so promising last season. Over in the Bundesliga, very good vibes over there with Seb Haller scoring his first goal after battling cancer in Giorania. After the disgrace with the United States national men's team, he's on a tear to show the world he was wrong. And right now he's totally getting it done on the pitch. And of course, the leaders, 10 men Bayern, getting a big win on the road at Wolfsburg. Over in League One, uh, battered PSG. Lots of injuries. I talked earlier about the, the whole COVID flu scare, but you know, they have no Mbappe, no Verate. Kimpembe just coming back, and you know, quite a few others. They got a big win over Toulouse, and then with Marseille and Lens stumbling, they pushed their lead to eight. Now, of course, they had a bad loss yesterday, which we'll, we'll get into more detail next week. But I can tell you that they had a talk about a bad loss that really made the people at Paris lose their you-know-what. Losing to the rivals, Marseille and the Coupe de France, and just being completely lifeless, even with Messi on the pitch. And Messi also sustained an injury, and he's status for the upcoming Champions League clash with Byron midweek is now in doubt. So Paris definitely wobbled them. They have a lead, but they're stumbling in the post-World Cup window. I mean, talk about the collective hangover. Okay, we'll close it with this one. Alex Morgan, speaking out and really harshly criticizing the possible decision to have Visit Saudi sponsor the Women's World Cup. It calls it bizarre and not understanding why they were going in this particular direction. You know, especially given, uh, well, you know, the traditions over there and how that does not necessarily jive with what we like of the West. You know, whether it comes to women, transgender rights, homosexual... Or, I mean, not, <laughs> I don't know, it's not going to stick my foot in my mouth there, but, you know, with how that can be. And I get her point in, in terms of, well, if we are supposedly promoting all of these inclusive values, for a bunny, we're just going to look the other way. But then again, with the successful World Cup that just happened in Qatar, I think some of these fears can be pushed aside. Now, some of y'all might be calling it sports washing and, and the, whatever the case may be. You know my thoughts on that. It's just not sports washing. It's all about the big events. We got the money to sponsor it, host it, back it, visibility. 
just part of the evolving normal, whatever that's going to be when the dust settles, as I was talking about earlier in the 43K view. Okay, folks, we'll be back with, with a closer look on the other side. We are scrambling to get this thing done. Got some chores to do to help out with the Super Bowl party next door. So obviously, we started this yesterday, and now we're finishing it in the morning because of logistical necessities. So we're just going to go really quickly with, uh, with our weekly segment. We'll re-opinionate, editorialize, and just basically rant. We'll just go to the heart of the matter. Wheeling and dealing in the association. What a week it was in the NBA, huh? Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting that we get to a point now where super teams are created in the off season or the season before that, and then we get to the trading line, trading deadline, which is always you know right before the All Star break, and all sorts of madness happens. You've got teams trading draft picks, you know, going into the next decade. You have situations that were supposed to be ironclad and possibly lead to parades and ring celebrations, and they're blown up. And it's it's just absolutely crazy. And it creates a certain drama and great storylines but I also wonder about you know what it is the fans doesn't necessarily win okay so if you're a Phoenix yeah you're you're a winner yeah like possibly but what about Brooklyn what about these places that all of a sudden get stripped of assets and have to go to a rebuild because things did not work out and how do you convince fans yeah, this is a good, yeah, I still want a part of this. I think these are big questions that Mr. Stern has. I mean, we obviously talked last week about the load management and what a headache that is and what a slap that is to the fans, but I definitely think the wheeling and dealing that goes on at the trade deadline and these teams and the dreams that people are sold on, it's kind of a problem. I mean, imagine if you're a Brooklyn fan, and in the, and at one point, you see them bring over KD. You have James Harden, Kyrie, later Ben Simmons. And then all of a sudden, none of them are there. Well, I don't know what you want to call a clanking Ben, but what is your incentive to go to Brooklyn? Then we have Kyrie. Going to Dallas. Kyrie, such an interesting character where all of these teams all of a sudden were climbing the Tower of Babel to acquire this guy, as we have pointed out on numerous occasions. <laughs> he was people thought he was gonna be out of the league. Now he's kicking it with Luca. Now 
obviously it takes someone like a Mark Cuban, who's always had questionable scruples, in my opinion, even though he's made quite a career for himself, whether it's owning the Mavericks, his tech empire, or even you know, becoming a celebrity on Shark Tank. So he's somebody that can possibly take that on. But he's basically a rental. And a lot of these cases, it is just a rental. And then you have the other side of it, the buyout part of it. For example, Russ being moved. Is he really going to want to be this next destination? Same thing with John Wall. So I think the NBA has a problem that it really needs to acknowledge at some point as far as, I don't know, team cohesion and fan loyalty or honoring fan loyalty. Last time I checked, the association is not a cheap proposition. Especially if you've got a family that wants to go to a game. And whether it's load management or when you bought your tickets in the summertime, you weren't expecting to see Brooklyn show off with a skeleton crew. Now, there are some situations. You know, if you're an L.A. fan, knowing that Russell Westbrook recently going 2 for 16 and just not fitting in, well, you've, and you've been de delivered a life preserver. Life preserver, and some of the pieces they added, you know, as I talked about in the NBA beat. That's the weird side of it because I think there are situations where a really bad situation can possibly be good, especially you know coming into last night. Lakers were what twenty five and thirty one, I believe it is. So. When you're a marquee team like that, I get it. Although, even giving up, uh, you know, those gym picks that are, what, six years away, giving up one of them, I think the one in 2027, I'm not necessarily sure that's a good idea, especially when a lot of these pieces won't be around. As we've talked about previously, like with the Rams over in the NFL, and even the Buccaneers, there's a short window where you're trying to get a chip or two, and then you worry about the consequences later. I get that from the boardroom perspective, but once again, think about the fans and how you've, at some point you have to find a happy medium or in the end, it's going to hurt your bottom line, right? With so many of these things, it's not really rocket science as far as creating a balance where everybody wins. I mean, I get the desire to win. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. But at that same time, when you are charging premium prices for going to the games, being able to stream them at home, you got to give the fans a better deal. Okay, that's Wheeling and Dealing in the Association. We'll be back to close it out with the NFL Report and some TMCA time on the other side. See you there.
right then, <clears throat> closing you out, episode 144. Let's talk some NFL report. I know, it comes down to today, basically. Started yesterday with this podcast, but we're ending it today. I'm going to blast through this, get it cut, so I can drop it before the Super Bowl. Because why have a podcast with a Super Bowl pick if it comes out afterwards? <clears throat> well, we have two teams left, which means... There won't be a lot of talk until a couple of days after, you know, because the NFL does run a 365-24-7 cycle. Yeah, but did you see Brady on the herd this week and the conversation he had with Colin and J-Mac? I found it semi-riveting. Why do you say riveting? Well, because I kind of came away from it actually believing him. When he says that he's done. It, it, there was a finality there. That was also interesting that he said he wouldn't enter the broadcast booth until 2024. Meaning, you know, get his life in order with his family, lady friends, business interests. That makes sense. You know, everybody keeps saying Greg Olson's going to be caught. He's going to lose a lot of money with the appearance of Brady being so good. I don't think that's really the case. You know, when it comes down to it, I think Greg Olson's done a fantastic job. He's going to get paid, be, you know, one of the premier analysts for years to come. That's just how I see it. But Brady, on the other hand, I do believe it. Although I don't know what was up with that cringe shit, you know, that pose of the underwear, Metro, whatever. It just, yeah, it didn't fit. You know, I'm not... Passage judgment either way. It just looked kind of cringy to me. That's all I'm saying. And many other people in the various talk shows, news shows, felt the same way. What's up with uh, Aaron Rodgers getting all cringe, too? I, yeah. The afterlife with these two is going to be something, especially with Rodgers, because we don't really know what comes out of that guy's deck. Right? I mean... The Joker, aces, deuces, you, yeah. How about Michael Irvin and Hot Water again? What the hell is, What's up with that? Now, I know, as my bro and I we used to call him Missy, <laughs> but Michael, back in the days of the White House, back in Dallas, and some of his transgressions post-football, even though supposedly Pat Soberall helped him clean his life up, if you believe that, I don't know if I ever did. doesn't really matter what I believe. But some women claim, uh, claiming sexual misconduct. And he comes back and he's going to counter sue her for $100 million, I believe it is, for defamation. You know the foxhole is keenly looking at that, as I said in the earlier segment, about the guys at Ohio State. I know when you're out getting your party on, or even thinking about getting your freak on, you know, Lots of things can get lost in the fog of war. We always understand that. <laughs> but you all need to really stop putting yourself in these particular situations. That's what I think. Okay. A.G. Green, A.J. Green, announcing his retirement after 11 seasons? I was like, wow. He's been kind of quiet in the back end ever since, you know, his... Banner years in Cincinnati, now that they have DeMar Chase and, you know, it, 
But 11 years, I get it. And at this point, they have made enough money to where 10, 11 years, as opposed to people who'd play anywhere from 12 to 19, or well, they were dragged off the field, you know, like Jerry Rice. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, that guy, I mean, good grief. We talk about Brady, but we, you know, him, we forget about how long that guy hung on. Anyway, all right. Enjoy your retirement, AJ. You earned it. Then you got Brian Flores. Yeah, that guy. Well, he's landed on his not he landed on his feet with Pittsburgh because I think Thompson, Tom Lynn did him a solid by bringing him over. But now he is going to be the Vikings defensive coordinator. Yeah, there's some, some problems there. You go 13 and four and get run out that that easily. His suit against the NFL is still in play. Haven't heard a lot about that and haven't heard about his mistreatment because he still is getting jobs. He just hasn't got a head coaching job. And if I were him, maybe I don't want it. But then again, his accountant may say otherwise. Pro Bowl. I, I touched on it last week. I love Josh Jacobs calling the festivities a joke. But then again, I saw him the next day participating in the flag football game and other things. So... What did the Fox whole think after some review? Okay, I'm going to come across not as judgmental as I was last week. They were having fun. I think it's silly, but I think as friend of the show next door, the man Andy G over there in Eagle's Nest 1, said, you know, it's like Battle of the Network Stars. And I think if you're there attending the event, getting autographs, getting your photo ops with your players, it's a good fan fest thing. And I was kind of impressed at how cagey they were getting during the flag football game. But I'm with Josh Jacobs. I was kind of silly, as I said last week, about doing away with the all-star concept. But this was far better than what whatever they were doing with the NHL, which I still found was very bizarre. But I saw some things in this that where you were there, it kind of lent itself to television, but I would imagine after three or four years, people will be tired of the bro fest. Didn't get a chance to watch the NFL honors. I will try to like backtrack and catch a little bit of that so I can comment. I noticed there's some very revealing outfits as far as that goes, but we do have a Hall of Fame class. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting. It's really heavy on the defensive side, but we've got Rondé Barber. Yeah, Okay, I guess so. He was pretty dominant. Just as long as Tiki doesn't get in, we'll be all right. Don Corral, innovator. I have no problems there, you know, when it comes to certain coaches who haven't gotten the love. Joe Klecko, big time OL. I mean, that's basically back in the day. I say, oh, well, geez, <laughs> where's my brain at? Anyhow, he had quite the career with the Jets. If you were back, if you were a big fan of the '80s, I want to know why Russ. I mean, why not Russ Grimm? But why Joe Jacoby's not there? And if you're gonna put this guy in, it, Joe Jacoby's got rings. Don't discriminate just because Russ Grimm's in. Only one can. I mean, Gasano. I think he's in there, isn't he? For all those sacks, I have to go look it up just to make sure. Ftinfx at gmail.com If you think otherwise, to Marcus Ware. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when it comes to this era, <laughs> Darrell Rivas, no problem. You know, shut down corner, had a pretty significant run. Kind of faded away, but 
when he was at the peak of his game. Nobody threw to his side. Not like Namdi, Ashamaga, or whatever his name was, who played, you know, no, shut down corner. It was on the frying pan once he was exposed when he left the Raiders. And I think he really was a crispy critter when he played with the Raiders. But no, Rivas was the real deal as far as shutdown goes in that in, the, in that particular era. Good for him. Big ups to the Hall for getting Ken Riley in. We mentioned that. And I think season two or three, that it was a disservice that he was not in Canton. Good that they've corrected that wrong. Very well-deserving. Joe Thomas, solid career as well. Yeah, no argument there. And same thing with Zach Thomas. And definitely Chuck Halley. Old school. Not, you know, the Iron Age. But, and, you know, we say the, the, the modern era 1A. Played for the Cowboys back when... Back when the first of Landry's dominant teams. And this goes back to the 60s when they were tussling with the Packers. Only guy to win the MVP on a losing team. How the hell it took him this long to get into Canton is beyond me. But hey, here we are. Okay. Super Bowl pick. Before we get the TMCA time and close this out. I've given it a lot of thought. Just, okay. You know me being the Commanders fan. You know that I hate the Eagles with such rabid passion. And the idea of them winning a second ring may cloud my vision a little bit here. But I got a feeling with two more weeks, what I saw from Mahomes playing Cincinnati, I like the Chiefs to, to pick up their second ring in this window. Uh, it's going to be tight because I... Dalen Hurts, he's kind of beat up as well, and some folks don't think he's at his A level. It's hard to know. That 49ers game was so weird, you know, after Purdy went down. It's really hard to gauge. And the Giants, after, you know, this is what we were talking about, expand the playoffs. This is why you don't expand the playoffs, so you don't have mockeries like that. Yeah? Okay, so what, what am I going to I'm going to make a call here. I'm going to think this is going to be actually kind of a classic. I'm going to take the Chiefs winning 29-24. Weird score with the 29, but that's what I'm seeing it. Okay, I got a lot of things I got to get going on. So let's get to TMCA time. Really abbreviated this week, you know, handing out the stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties for people in the sports world whose deeds and transactions or just them being themselves have earned that distinction. Yeah, they come in complimentary, regular, and XL sizes. So, got to start with the Colorado State fans. Really making Russia chants directed towards a Ukrainian player? Kind of akin to back in the day, what was it? Was it Cal or UCLA that, was, that said to Steve Kerr, PLO, when his dad got killed by terrorists? Come on, people, be better. You can be creative without going into the sewer. Simple as that. So for all of you folks, you know, just put this in the hall. You get a three strip, three XLs for disgusting behavior. No, screw that. It's five. Hell, <laughs> come on. You can't go there. Okay, we're going to give another five strip to Ja Morant and his people. Trying to intimidate somebody with a laser sight. In fact, the whole... Grizzlies and their flexing being baby Dobermans. This is another five strip for them. 
right? Do it on the court. As I said earlier, two and eight in your last 10. Don't know how the hell you're still number two in the West, but yet, there you are. But you guys are making a mockery of yourselves, and you're actually alienating people who actually have had your back. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to give a regular to Deshaun Watson for flexing on social media. Well, A, you're a five-star douche with the stuff you were doing with the women, and other than beating the commanders, oh, gee, big feet there. It was a game that mattered for the commanders. You didn't really show shit coming back from your lengthy absence due to your transgressions. So why are you flexing? Maybe do something of note, then we'll allow you maybe to flex on social media. Okay, we're going to go with the Nets' Cam Thomas for going there, making an anti-gay remark. Haven't your handlers trained you? You cannot get away with the locker room stuff. This is not the 80s, 90s, and definitely not the 70s for what you can get away with. Stop it. Yeah, it's XL for sure. I mean, just at this point, just like all the idiots over there in Europe with all the racist stuff, no place for it. Have sense, especially you athletes, when there's a microphone or a camera in front of you. Not rocket science, as I've said for the 10th time in this podcast. Okay. And we're going to give San Francisco Giants prospect Sonny Vargas, we're going to give him an XL for earning his second suspension for PED use, 110 games. Which is which tells me that the people who get caught are sloppy and that it's still prevalent. Not saying anything about you, Mr. Judge, but you're not going to convince me that PEDs are out of the game. This could possibly be an outlier. Me, I, I just don't believe it. I think some of these guys are knuckleheads and they don't know how to mask it. Okay, folks, Super Bowl Sunday. Like I said, I've got the Chiefs. We'll be back in six to eight days to figure out whether I'm right or whether I was wrong. Stay safe. Enjoy lots of adult beverages and enjoy your best life. We'll see you soon.